There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. As soon as I show up to California, we get the announcement that they are opening their first Cali Express by something called Flippy. I have no idea what that means. And this is going to redefine the dining experience for all of us because it's all robotic. Even the cooks are robotic. You jump in, you have a self-ordering kiosk, you order, you pay. I don't even know what you need anybody for. I guess a robot's going to bring your food to your table and they have a grill robot which actually grinds high quality beef in real time upon receiving an order, resulting in an I burger patty. Flippy is the renowned robotic fry station. And of course you'll get crispy hot fries only in California. I'm telling you, would you get this? I'll tell you something else that only happens in California, or at least it's never happened to me before. My flight was actually a half an hour early. Left Fort Lauderdale last night got into LAX, which is one of the biggest airports in America, got in a half an hour early. Stunning. I mean, I can't remember the last time a flight got in a whole half hour early. Maybe you might get in five, 10 minutes early, but a a whole 30 minutes early. And then they forced us to sit on the tarmac for 65 minutes. The gate was occupied. I mean, we're talking LAX. I wasn't in uh, the Dominican Republic, you would think there's more than a single gate that would be available to a jet blue flight coming across the country. And of course, as always, it's the holiday season, so traveling was going too smoothly. I knew there had to be a, a glitch somewhere. But because it's holiday season, the plane was filled with babies and pets. And there's two things that I really struggle with on an airplane. One of them is multiple babies and parents who simply, you can't expect them to juggle babies for five hours. Two is max, right? Like both of my kids had two, I had two. Two, you can kind of pull it off, particularly if you got a mom and a dad, but there were families on there with five children under the age of eight. And I felt so bad for those parents, but it made everybody else's trip totally miserable. And uh, what can I tell you? I'm just being honest. I could pretend that it didn't bother me because I love my grandkids. They can do no wrong. But other people's grandkids, uh, no, thank you. And then dogs. What is this new thing that every dog is a service dog, regardless of its size, regardless of its ability. They just slap a vest on these animals and immediately I'm supposed to presume that they actually serve some kind of purpose. There was a woman walking around. First of all, I wish I was in as good shape as this young woman was in. She was muscular. She was sharp. Everything about her was uh, great. 
And she had like a gigantic, I don't even know what the name of this dog is. I guess it's a, a giant poodle. You know, I always had toy poodles or pocket poodles myself. This was like a, a standard gigantic thing. It was about three, four feet off the ground with a service vest on. So I'm looking at her and I'm looking at the dog and I'm thinking like, what exactly do you require from that dog? What is the service that that dog provides to you? Now, if it's an emotional dog, I get that. But it said service animal, and they're not supposed to be there for your emotions. Service animals are for people who can't see or people who might fall down or whatever. So it was one of those flights from hell. My poor son decided he wasn't going to let me take an Uber because Ubers are crazy during the holidays as well. So he was going to pick me up at the airport. We were both delighted. I was getting in a half an hour earlier. The poor guy had to roam around the airport for an hour and 15 minutes before the plane was unloaded of passengers and then, of course, of baggage. But I must admit, the best part was my bag was the first one out. I don't think I've ever had that experience before. I was very happy. The very first bag that came out on the console or carousel was mine. Grabbed my bag, walked outside. Derek was out there in his electric vehicle, which you can't even tell it's running. He's got an electric SUV by, I guess, Kia. He likes these uh, Kia SUVs. He's had all different kinds of SUVs and all kinds of electric cars, but he likes this one. Probably get another one. But I get in the car and I think it's not on. You know, it makes no sound. Anyway, so we then got home. And then, of course, before I knew it, it was morning because I'm three hours behind. And the first bit of news that I get when I wake up is uh, the, the fact that we now have completely robotic restaurants here in California, as if I didn't find California weird enough, right? But thank goodness, my daughter-in-law is very, very solicitous of me. She wants to make me happy on my visit, so she knows what I like. We'll go Chinese. <laughs> we'll eat at places where there's actual human beings and where I will get the kind of food that I'm unable to get. Now, not that Florida doesn't have a single Chinese restaurant that I can eat at, but when you come to California, you see the difference. New York had great Chinese restaurants. California has even better ones. Uh, San Francisco has the best, but here in LA, they got really good ones too. So Christmas Day, like every good uh, Yiddish family, we'll go to a Chinese restaurant and then we're going to the movies because that's what the Kaufmans do. I don't know where to begin with today's headlines. I really don't. I mean, obviously, yesterday I was still reeling from the Colorado Supreme Court decision, but the more I read about it, and then I was able to discuss it with my son, the lawyer, last night, and I was really surprised that uh, he almost totally agreed with me, although he did say that he thought the opinion, which I finally finished reading on the airplane, I read about half of it before I got on the airplane, and then I read the other half on the airplane. It's like 200 and something pages. But he had read it, and he said it's very scholarly, and it's uh, it's kind of a compelling story, but he doesn't think it'll hold up against uh, you know a Supreme Court ruling on the constitutionality of it, which I agree. That's what you heard from Dershowitz yesterday, from uh, Jonathan Turley yesterday, from anybody with a brain. <clears throat> but what was most important was when my son said to me that the problem with this opinion and the problem with this litigation is that it's going to provoke violence, that he foresees something approaching a civil war 
if they continue to come after Donald Trump the way that they're coming after him. And he's not a crazy conspiracy theorist. He's not anything like uh, me. And yet he admitted that they are literally dancing with the devil when they do this stuff because the Trump supporter just digs in harder and the average American resents the fact that you would go to such great lengths to keep the voter from making a decision. This is our country. We're supposed to get to not only choose the candidates that run through the primary process, but we're also supposed to be allowed to decide who gets to be the president of the United States. And if they rob that from us, then my son is afraid, and I think I have to really kind of agree with him, then what's to keep people from rising up? And you keep using the word insurrection, but if you keep doing these things, then perhaps what you're looking to do is start an insurrection. I really don't know. But you can't have this thuggish behavior being legitimized and not expect people living in the so-called red states to respond because ultimately they have no choice. They feel disenfranchised. They feel as though their power is being taken away from them one knife stroke at a time. And that's when uh, people may very well do things that they would not normally otherwise do. And I get that. So when he tells me that he's fearful of that happening, all I keep thinking is, so what is on the left's mind? Is that what they want? Do they really want to start a civil war in this country? Because I, I, I know too many left-wing people. Some of them I'm actually related to, and they don't want that. So who is doing this? Who's orchestrating this insanity? And why? Why do they think that this is a good option? to declare war against half the other half of America. It doesn't end well. And that's what we were talking about. It was, uh, I was grateful that we were able to have a conversation. I got an email when I was on the airplane. Um, not that I had FlyFi or whatever it is that, uh, that JetBlue offers to the customers on the planes. Usually I have like a Wi-Fi service, but it wasn't working on this particular plane, plane rather. So, but when I was first boarded and then when I landed, I got my normal 5G from my uh, provider, from my carrier, and I got an email from a listener who said, you know, I'm on my way to Los Angeles as well to be with family. I think she said the son, daughter, uh, grandkids, and she said, but I'm really tired of being quiet about Donald Trump. What do you think I should do? And I never want to be responsible for somebody challenging their relationship with their children or their loved ones, their husbands or anything else, you know, that's something that's better left to you to decide how to handle it. But I've had it. I mean, I'm up to my eyeballs in how we've been intimidated out of even talking about politics anymore. We're not allowed. We have to bow down and say, oh, well, you know, if we're smart, then we couldn't possibly support Donald Trump. I said, nonsense. You do what you follow your heart. I said, but I'm done. I'm done hiding who I am and what I believe and all of that jazz. And I can sit and debate whether Donald Trump is a flawed human being all day long. And I probably agree with people about some of his character flaws, probably agree more than you'd know. 
But that doesn't change the fact that I need a strong man right now. And my son said, oh, well, that's fascistic. I don't know if it's technically fascistic, but I'll tell you what I see now in the White House is totally fascistic, where you have one party, the party of the incumbent president, literally weaponizing the justice system and going after the leading official in the other party and the prime candidate that's scheduled to win the primary and then go on to challenge this president, and you've weaponized the Department of Justice against him? Uh, America doesn't like that. People in flyover country aren't down with that. We're getting uh, more and more upset. So just keep doing what you're doing. If you continue to do this, you guarantee a victory for Donald Trump, and that's okay with me. I just think that you're jeopardizing the safety and security of this entire country in your effort. Anyway, don't forget um, to download our app, the 850 WFDL app. That way you could listen no matter where you are, no matter where I am. How cool is that, right? I'm sitting in LA. I'm sitting in this beautiful home in this beautiful neighborhood and uh, with the most beautiful family in all of Los Angeles. And you're hearing me as if I were right there in my normal studio. So uh, download the app, 850WFTL.com. That way you can participate in all these contests. We're giving away four-person passes to the South Florida Fair, and we also have gift, gift cards to great restaurants, so it's worth it. It's worth downloading the app or at least visiting the website, 850WFTL.com. I'm going to take a quick break. Stay right where you are. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. also woke up this morning to find out that there was a gunman in Prague at a university, I guess it's called Charles University in Prague, who killed 15 people, injured another 30, and apparently had already killed some other people in a nearby village, including his father, uh, apparently on some kind of shooting spree. And they're not used to this in the Czech Republic. You know, usually it's the government killing people in parts of Eastern Europe. But he wrote um, some social media posts and kept a diary in Russia, in Russian rather, on a messaging app called Telegram writing, I want to do a school shooting and possibly suicide. And apparently he was inspired by a shooting that was conducted by a 14-year-old girl, Alina Afaniskina, who killed um, somebody at a school in Russia just earlier this month. He went on a shooting rampage at the university around three o'clock their time today, which is located in John Pollock Square, which is a tourist place in the city. It's also been reported that he killed his father before he went into the city to do this. And then, of course, he ended up dead. And nobody's really sure. They haven't been able to uh, give out the final information. He, has, uh, he is dead, but apparently he may have killed himself or he may have been killed by the responding police authorities. 
But if you look at these images, and this is why I say there is nothing that goes unvideotaped anymore. If you're planning to commit any kind of crime, I'm here to tell you there will be evidence on cell phones and on ring cameras of anything that you choose to do. He, you see online this morning when I woke up, there were images of a guy dressed in black pointing a rifle from the balcony of the university building. And that wasn't even the scariest of the photographs that I saw. The really scary ones were these kids who were hiding on this very tiny ledge at the college. And some people actually jumped. Now, I don't know whether or not uh, they made it. They survived jumping out of windows to get away from him. I suppose it was the first floor, the second floor. They may have survived, but this is a multi-story building. All of the students were told to stay put, to barricade themselves inside the building, turn off the lights, and uh, don't go anywhere. So I don't know. I mean, these kinds of shootings are direct results of people glamorizing. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. I know a lot of people will disagree with me and a lot of people get angry at me when I say this. But if we continue to glamorize these shooters and we continue to name them and cover them, I will not say these people's name out loud because I believe that's what they want. They feel as though they are not seen and they want to be seen. He said he was going to do a school shooting just like this girl in Russia because you know, he wants to be noticed. They go to Twitter or they go, well, now it's called X and they see how irrelevant they are in the scheme of things. We have all these elevated people that we turn into celebrities, even if they never did anything of any merit. And these m mentally ill people, because obviously if you shoot all these people as he did, you have some serious mental problems because these were innocent people. This is the kind of stuff when, you know, when people say to me, well, Hamas are freedom fighters. No, no, no. When you shoot innocent people, that's not freedom fighting. That's not making a point. That's crazy. That's animal behavior. And even animals don't behave that badly. I have to stop calling Hamas animals because I don't know animals that behave as badly as Hamas behaved during that October 7th attack. But can you imagine you're a tourist and you're in the Czech Republic and you're having a pretty nice time and all of a sudden you hear gunshots in the public square and you see police swarming the area, the shooter um, up on a balcony and obviously everybody knew where he was because there's multiple videos of him. This is a guy who graduated with a degree in history and European studies from the very same university. He went on, completed a master's program in history, and he focused his studies on the history of Poland. The inspiration, though, for the shooting came from a shooting that Alina Afaniskina, a 14-year-old, who killed one, one person at a school in Russia on December 7th this year. And then, of course, these telegram social media apps where he wrote his manifesto. In one of the posts, he said, ah, I want to do a school shooting. I always wanted to kill. I thought I would become a maniac in the future. Then when 
Il Nas did the shooting, I realized it was much more profitable to do mass rather than serial murders. I sat, I waited, I dreamed, I wanted, but Alina became the last straw. It was as if she had come to my aid from heaven just in time. Are you telling me this guy's not seriously mentally ill? A dead man was found in the village from which he left. It was the attacker's father. So obviously this was a premeditated attack. And in this uh, telegram diary, I guess you could call it, he said he was going to kill himself. There was nothing that they could find that was wrong with his past. He wasn't radicalized by international terrorism, wasn't a white supremacist. He legally owned several guns and went ballistic, went, went nuts, and then watched the chaos unfold. And that's what I think they want. They want that moment where they are the center of attention. He shot people. Then he put his hands up and threw the weapon down in the street. And then who knows? Uh, it's possible that he was taken out by, the, by the, the police that were there. It's very rare to see gun attacks in the Czech Republic. I think they've only had a few over the past several years. This is the worst one in their history, or at least uh, since they became an independent country 30 years ago. So we shall see how uh, Europe handles this. Apparently, Europe is not handling it very well. Sad that we have grown so used to it that you won't get much of a reaction here in this country. It'll make the headlines today, and then it'll be gone tomorrow. And we'll move on to the next heinous act, or just move away. Or we'll move on to the next sex act, right? Who's going to have sex in the Capitol building? Well. If you don't think that that is now also glamorized and therefore you're going to see more and more of it, wait till you hear the story when I come back about the aide to the first lady who was trying to bring dates into the White House. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So apparently now it's like a really cool thing if you work for the government to... Uh, do like wild sex things in your room, be that uh, in the Capitol building if you work for a senator. And now the First Lady's press secretary, Michael LaRosa, was found trying to take dates that he just met up to his room in a secure floor while he was in a hotel where the president was staying uh, during the trip, the NATO summit in Madrid. La Rosa, age 40, did it twice during the same trip while he was accompanying the First Lady to the NATO summit in June of 2022. And they said that was a part of a pattern of behavior that led to his forced resignation the following month. Now, what is it that, why is it, let me ask that question, that people like that doing it where nobody else can do it, kind of magical uh, sex stuff. Unfortunately, in this case, La Rosa, much like the Senate staffer that got caught in the Capitol, um, happens to be gay. And it brings more attention 
to the sort of random acts of sexuality that people just don't normally associate with government, although you should. I mean, this is as old as uh, as mankind. Um, just really kind of disturbing. Tell you something that's really disturbing. The Harvard University, my son's alma mater, another disaffected donor has been added to the list. Another billionaire, by the way, Len Blavatnik, whose family foundation has given at least $270 million to Harvard, but it is pausing donations because of President Claudine Gay's uh, congressional testimony on anti-Semitism. And guess what they have found out? There are more instances of her not citing the proper sources in some of her published work. Since October 7th, Alumni from billionaires to just graduates like, um, you know, my kids have said they're not given any money until the school does more to address the anti-Semitism problem that they have. And it's definitely tarnished Harvard's brand. As I said yesterday, their applications are down 20%. That's not good. This is a college that, you know, had the, the, cream of the crop, the pick of the cream of the crop. And all of a sudden, people are saying, no, no I'm not going to send my kid there. And, and I'm definitely not sending my money there. They are the richest and oldest university in the country. And all of a sudden, Congress is considering ways to cut their federal support. And the donors are pulling back their donations. And guess what? They're not going to be able to raise money because People are furious. They looked at that testimony. Blavatnik is a Harvard Business School alumni, and his wife, Emily, said, no more. We're not giving them any more money until they tamp down this rampant anti-Semitism on the campus. And they think that anti-Semitic acts ought to be treated no differently from any other acts against any other community. You know, if BLM was treated as though there was some real major racism going on in universities that they all had to respond and allow kids to have uh, safe spaces and time off from exams because of the uh, George Floyd incident. Well, then guess what? How is anti-Semitic acts any different? The Blavatnik Foundation's contributions have included about $200 million for Harvard's medical school. So this isn't Harvard's only problem. There's a whole lot of spotlight right now on the plagiarism allegations against Claudine Gay, the president. Last week, the university's governing council said it had examined her academic writings after it became aware of the accusations in late October. The board said it had found a few instances of inadequate citation, but no violation of school standards for research misconduct. However, the House of Representatives Committee opened an inquiry into Harvard's handling of the allegations, which now means that the media is going to finally have to pay attention to this. And they've asked, the committee has asked for a response from the school by the end of the month. On the financial side, Harvard's got uh, plenty of expenses. They've got salaries, maintenance, financial aid, which is a cornerstone of its push to diversify the student body. 
Their operating expenses last year were about $5.9 billion, billion with a B. That's salaries, wages, benefits for professors. For, they got over 20,000 professors at Harvard. And their endowment is about $50 billion. That's what they have in their endowment. They got 30% or actually 37% of its revenue from endowment distribution, which is its largest source of income. Another 8% comes from current use gifts and uh, with alumni and big donors closing their checkbooks and refusing to even make fundraising calls for them. It's not good for Hobbit, which is fine because there should be, there should be uh, consequences for what Claudine Gay and certain other presidents of elite institutions had the disgusting audacity to say in that congressional committee that, you know, it depends on the context, you know. They're not freedom fighters, they're terrorists, and that should be quite obvious to anybody with a, with a brain, never mind with a, a, a doctorate degree from a prestigious university. And then another story, since I'm in California, of course, I pay attention to some stories that I might not when I'm back home. But old habits die hard. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zasloff just sat down with the Paramount Global Chief Executive Bob Bakish to talk about merging. And here we go again. These are mega deals and they're going to change the landscape of entertainment. Happy holidays. That's all I'm going to say to you. When the opening bell rang on Wall Street today, investors didn't exactly uh, give the idea of Warnamount a ringing endorsement. Shares of Paramount slipped at 1% and Warner Brothers Discovery slid 4% in early trading. Paramount is, a, is almost, well, it's about 40% below its 52-week high and Warner Brothers Discovery has lost more than half its value since the merger of Warner Media and Discovery. So, hey, listen, you have Disney Fox, AT&T, Time Warner, all of these streaming platforms that are swimming in red ink and legacy media assets, mostly linear TV, are eroding. So yeah, Zasloff has, has said there are opportunities here and mergers are one way to reduce the enormous amount of debt that they've incurred. I don't know how they do this, but I'm telling you, when you have more and more of entertainment and information, because they control a lot of the information sources, the cable news stations, for instance, when you have Disney and Fox merge and you have Discovery by scripts and merge with Warner Brothers and, and none of it really worked, didn't help them to generate amount, you know, any kind of huge amount of cash flow. We have, have this great idea, they say, but then it doesn't equate to money. One of the analysts that I read uh, with Moffat Nathanson, a guy named Robert Fishman, he said, uh, the increasing sense of desperation around media, why any company would try to catch a falling knife what is the rush with the likelihood of waiting for an even cheaper price if a real advertising recession transpires? And one uh, of the finance executives from, from films told Deadline, I was reading an article there, that he was struggling to see the logic. 
How do shareholders benefit? How do these two companies pay down their debt and build value so their share price, which has been in the toilet, can grow? But this is what's going on, not just in entertainment, but in so many areas uh, that, that one has to, you know, it's interesting. My son's opening salvo to me when I got into the car last night was, well, but you know, the economy is doing well. And I said, for who, Derek? The economy is doing well for people in your tax bracket, but it is not doing well for working class Americans. First and foremost, they're not seeing any wage increases and inflation, whether it's tamed a little bit now or not, is crippling their budgets. They're not able to buy homes if they don't own one. Uh, the mortgage rates are, you know, prohibitive, even though they've come down now, you know, um, thank God they have, you can get a mortgage with a fixed rate in the fives if you call Michael Kodzi a choice mortgage. But for the most part, people are struggling. People are struggling when they go to the supermarket. People are buying food at big lots. I said this a couple of years ago and it then things got better under Trump and now here we go again. But see, people who have lots of money, and I'm blessed that my kids have lots of money, but they don't see it. They, their stock portfolio is doing okay, so they're fine but the rest of America isn't. And that's why Donald Trump continues to surge and everybody else is just trying to catch up or destroy him. That's all there is. Don't forget, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, followed by uh, the one and only Joe Paggs, then Lars Larson, the Red Eye Radio overnight, and then tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill. I don't know if they'll be back. Uh, I'm not sure if they have one more show this year or not. Um, but I know that I, I will be back. I know Dan Bongino is going on vacation starting tomorrow, but his uh, producer will be doing his show tomorrow, and I'll be back at 3 o'clock from L.A., if it be his will. So you stay right where you are. I have one segment left today before I uh, go play with my granddaughter. Stay right where you are. One of the things that's really been kind of concerning, and definitely uh, I find this kind of stunning, is what they're doing in this Russia-Ukraine war in terms of Europe's activities. And it's amazing to me, Poland, uh, Orban is saying, is this even a war? And when you look at the numbers of people that have perished on both sides after this invasion, how do you ask that question? I mean, Viktor Orban, who's the uh, Hungarian prime minister, is a uh, kind of an interesting guy, the only person who has ever had any relationship with him, not in this administration, anyone, but in the prior administration, he said, he told reporters at a news conference in Budapest that Putin's never declared war between the two countries. When Russia declares war, then there will be a war. He says, this is just a military operation, which of course, made the whole European Union and all the NATO allies go crazy because they're trying to maintain relations with Russia and also uh, support Ukraine. And they want economic sanctions against Mos Moscow to be scrapped. And last week, Orban blocked the EU's $650 billion financial aid package for Ukraine. He was one, I think he was the only one of the 27 EU government leaders to do that. So this is going to be catastrophic for the so-called military. Um, what did he call it? He called it a 
military, not a war, but, and this is an invasion, mind you, he called it a military operation. You'd hate to be caught up in a military operation like this. That's all I'm going to say. But these, there are the, a lot of these strongmen leaders all around Europe right now, and certainly uh, potentially here in this country, and just don't seem to understand history at all. So what is Kiev doing to handle the funding that's been drying up, not just from the U.S., but from now apparently uh, members of the European U Union. Well, they've come up with a new idea. Well, thank you can thank America for this. That's right. U Ukraine's parliament voted yesterday to legalize marijuana. I don't know if it's just medical marijuana or marijuana in general, because they say that thousands of people in the country have post-traumatic stress disorder and that it could be eased by the drug. So this is a new law. It'll come into effect in six months' time, if there's still a Ukraine in six months, I'm just saying. And it allows cannabis to be used for scientific and industrial ends. It passed by 248 votes in the 401-seat parliament. So that was a sizable majority. And they haven't shown who voted for it, who voted against it yet. But this is not, you know, when you're looking at elections and you're looking at uh, legislation in countries outside of America, they don't, there's not so much transparency. There's not so many sunshine laws. And you may never know who voted for and who voted against. But after this invasion left as many people suffering as have been suffering. Meanwhile, it's just a military operation, according to Orban, but they need uh, post-traumatic stress disorder uh, marijuana to make sure that the people don't all uh, implode. It's amazing. And finally, I do have to say this, because I, I am in California, and I talked about the robotic restaurant in California, but Austin, we have a problem. Tesla, the prototypes that make production easier for Tesla are actually not working out at all. The Cybertruck is not happening the way that uh, Elon Musk said it would because of the batteries. That's right. Who called this? Oh, that's right. I did. They are a long way off of the kind of production pace that they need. And one of the main bottlenecks is the speed that they can make these 4680 batteries that they'll need for the Cybertruck with this new dry coating technology. And Tesla's Giga Texas factory is churning out, I don't know, about, let's see, uh, 4680 battery cells at a rate only sufficient to power, mm, this is not good news, to power about 24,000 Cybertrucks a year, which is about a tenth of the required output to make this fiscally possible for Tesla. Um, if they don't ramp up battery output, then this is going to be a very bad year for Tesla. And it's already not a great year for X um, or SpaceX for that matter. So let's see what happens. You know, the people who were speaking to the news services all did it on the condition of anonymity because it's very sensitive when you talk about you know, batteries and dry coating, anode cells and all that other stuff. These are technological innovations and Tesla is generally the first one to commercialize them. So you don't want to put out too much information 
in the industry. Well, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then, of course, as I always say, may God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow live from Los Angeles. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.